This is Invite to Game Night, a podcast for the hospitable board game lover, or anyone desiring to curate a richer board game experience. My name is Alexis Harrison, and I invite you to join me as we explore together what makes board gaming wonderful. Welcome to the table, heroes. We invite you to embark on a journey with us in today's episode as we prepare you to face off against the unplanned but inevitable foe of any game night, a.k.a. the Guy. Don't leave yourselves unprepared as he attacks you in his dastardly plan to ruin game night through conflicts, alpha gaming, bad attitudes, cheating, distractions, impatience, and excessive competitiveness. Oh, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Whew. Sorry, that level of cheesiness was... Give me some heartburn there. All right, keep going. Before we interview some board games and get into our planned topic, we're going to suspend our regular icebreaker section for round two of medium in hopes we can redeem ourselves after our previous abysmal attempt at reading each other's minds. Something we should be good at. I know, and what's really strange is I feel like in everyday life, we're actually pretty good at reading each other's minds. There've been so many times where you say something and I'm like, what? I was just thinking about that or vice versa. It does not translate to this game. I don't understand it. It's something about the cards. I know. So maybe we just needed a warm up, and then this time we'll just nail it. I, I have a good feeling. I do. So our second round of medium is actually our first you know, round the counts is what you're saying. Exactly, exactly. Well, we always say the first one's free. So that last one, it was just, it was a trial run. There we go. We're going to get it first try every time this time. Oh, totally. Medium, the party game where each partner is dealt six cards. One partner puts a card down. The second partner can look at the card, pick a card from their own hand, and lay that card down. Countdown from three, two, one, then each of us says a word. That word, if we are connected and reading each other's minds, will be the same word. And then we win. So we'll shuffle up the cards. I like the sound effect. Thank you. Got it from a library. (laughs) Deal it out. I actually don't understand that joke. I laughed and then I realized I had no idea what you were saying. Well... I mean, it's not funny now. But you have to explain it now because I'm confused. Okay. I was as just, I frequently you know, am with your jokes. Saying that, you know, I'd gotten it from a sound library. You know, like we have some kind of massive sound li- library and I didn't just shuffle cards on the table. Oh. But now so, everyone knows we don't have a big sound library and I had to shuffle cards. Yes. Yes. We're the poor man's podcast. I had to shuffle the cards myself. <laughs> so, wait, was that actually a joke? Clearly not. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We have this kind of conversation fairly frequently. But you know what? I really appreciate something about you. Even if I don't laugh, you will. On the inside. You always get that personal enjoyment that you so want from telling jokes. It's good. Are you going first or am I? I think I'll go first. Okay. So in my going but first... Mm-hmm. As I said it, I am what going word? to what choose. Word? 
Band. Band. Okay, so we're thinking of a word. So. Oh, oh, right. I've got to put my card down. Duh. Okay. Um. This is also from our extensive sound bank. Man, I could have been a beatboxer. Ah, missed calling. Okay. And the word is drill. Drill. Okay, are we good? Okay. I got it. <laughs> Three, two, one. Marching. Marching. Yeah! Oh my goodness. Okay, now I have to find Crushed a sound library it. so that we can enter in like some fireworks and or fanfare. Maybe like the <gasps> right? The as the clouds go as the clouds go wild. The clouds go wild. <laughs> <laughs> What happens when the clouds go wild? Is it just like a thunderstorm or something? Yep. Oh, that was pretty good. Thank you. Also from our sound library. <laughs> A.K.A. me. I am the sound library. I need another card, please. Alexis, play a thunderstorm cloud. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It is your turn to pick a card first. <laughs> it's really hard to do right. Can I have a card, please? Okay. I choose the word magic. Oh. Man. Well, this is easy. I didn't even take your cayenne pepper hot sauce habanero drink, and I'm hyped, man. I don't know. I didn't even have coffee or anything. Yeah, but I was... I, you know what it was? It's that win we just had. That got me hyped up. I'm super excited now. Because, you know what? Two for two, man. We're going to do it. I just know it. We've got this. Have you seen that game where people imitate sounds? It's really... No. Yeah, so like they'll just like do random sounds and then people have to imitate it. So like, okay, while you're still thinking, I'm going to make a sound. And then I go like... Okay, now I'm going to make one for you. Okay, ready? Well, we're not winning any awards, but, you know, we tried. Have you decided? Um, yes. Okay, go for it. I choose the word spy. Magic and spy. See, what I'm concerned about is that you're thinking of a very specific person, and it concerns me. See, I can think of a spy who's not magic, and then I think of another spy, also not magic, Magic and spy, a magic spy, a magical spy, a spy who does magic. Oh, no, that, that, I have nothing. I don't know any magical spies. I can think of actually a number of spies, none of whom are magical. That you know of. Okay, we're going for it. Okay. Three, two, one. Men in black. Harry isn't a spy. But Harry Potter spies on people. I think your answer is bogus, and I no, think I didn't know what I was talking about. That's how about. he broke his nose. He was spying on people, and Malfoy said, Malfoy. Malfoy? That's, that's a mixture of Draco and Malfoy. <laughs> um, Draco says, it's not polite to spy, Potter, and then steps on his nose. He literally steps on his nose? Well, stomps on it. Okay. Cause... I don't remember this part. All right, one more round? <sighs> Two more rounds? We'll see. Depends how this one goes. All right, my turn. Uh, no, uh, no, your turn. My turn. Your turn, sorry. Theater, the theater, the 
the Santa. See, here's the thing. I have one that works. And if you were a theater person, I'm pretty sure you would know what it was. Oh, my confidence. You haven't been to theater much. Not that I'm some big theater goer, but... You're talking yourself up pretty high there. You better hope there's no theater people listening. (laughs) Paper, by the way, is the word that I put down. Theater and paper. Three, two, one. Shakespeare. The playbill. Shakespeare wrote on paper. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Actually, that's probably not even true. Oh, no, no, no. Parchment? Oh, yeah. Do you know what a playbill is? Um, fun guy in the corner named William. <laughs> Play, playbill in the house. It's a dirty magazine for theater people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. No, I'm pretty sure the playbill is like the you know the little pamphlet that you get that has all the information about the cast and you know who sponsored it and whatnot. I'm going to Google that afterwards just to make sure. Okay. Let's do- Alexis, what's a playbill? <laughs> okay. Let's do one more. Uh, me, right? It is you. All right. Uh, Australia. What you got for me? The word tail. <gasps> In the bag. Three, two, one kangaroo, kangaroo. mic drop all right it's a tie we have to do one more now because we got two and we lost two your turn this should be a good one plumber so what is the word that is a medium between plumber and Rain. Plumber and rain. Three, two, two one. one. Christopher. Pipe. What the poop? What? What? That was... I'm mad about this one. I'm mad. I just threw my cards down because I'm mad. <laughs> what? I'm pretty sure anyone listening was like, oh, obviously she's going to say rain because rain goes down a pipe and plumbers fix pipes. Yeah, that's good, actually. Yes, it was. I handed it to you on a silver platter. What? Why, Christopher? I can't even because Christopher, Christopher Plummer. I can't even picture Christopher Plummer in my brain right now. Christopher I just Plummer he probably did something with rain. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure he was uh, Von Trapp, the dad in Sound of Music. Okay. But that had literally nothing to do with rain. I'm quite mad at you. Raindrops on roses. There we go. Guess what? He wasn't there when they did that song. Yeah, details. Now, to be fair, they might have done a small reprisal of it when they're, you know, performing on stage. But still, the main version of that song, like the scene when they're like in the room in the rain, like in that thunderstorm. He was not there. So not only did you ruin an amazing setup, but you showed your lack of Sound of Music knowledge. I mean, I quoted the song. 
so mad. Oh, we could have had that. All right, Gordy. I think we might down the road have to do this again. Now, we did improve, right? Uh, from not being able to do it at all. No, last we got, time. didn't we get one last time? Kind of. I think it was like close enough, kind of we thing. We said a synonym, and so we're like, oh, yeah, that's the same thing. This time, two times, we said the exact same word. And we could have had three easily. 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 Apparently, easily. I think it's time, though, to interview some board games. Let's get to it. The first one I want to bring, you've been dying to interview this game for a few weeks or maybe even months now. And you stole it from me. I know. Ha ha. So we are going to have a quick chat about Merchant's Cove. This was a Kickstarter that we backed. It was in 2019, I believe, when we backed it. And it arrived, uh, what, two months ago? A month and a half ago? Yeah, about that. Being in Canada, we're always among the last to receive kickstarters but it finally arrived so this is obviously a 2021 game by designers johnny pack carl van ostrand and drake villareal it was published by final frontier games this is a game for one to four players takes 60 to 90 minutes is that true from what we've experienced gordy yeah that's about right yeah it might have been a little bit longer because we were you know learning it fairly fairly new to the game now full disclosure we've only played three of the available characters and there are how many at least six because we've gotten expansions with it at, at least six i want to say there's more than six actually there, and there's a lot all play completely different actually you could say that each character makes a completely different game so we really are coming at here with less than 50 percent knowledge right this is this is a partial interview so to speak so so far we've played with um well the person we played with played with the dragon rancher right and so we've observed that one it looked like a lot of fun to play and it it just it made sense it's very well themed that one was more a, a tile placement mechanism right i believe so and then there was this neat um gameplay where you grow your dragons um and I believe you have to feed the dragons. And then, of course, the dragons leave droppings behind. But you got to make sure you clean them up so there's space for space for more dragons to go. So it, it just really worked with the whole Dragon Rancher theme. It was okay. very great. Now, before we get too ahead of ourselves, why don't you tell us how the game actually works? Sure, sure. And I'm going to need your help on this one, Gordy, because you were the one who actually read the rules. So... I'm actually, I'm going to turn this around and I'm going to interview you as to how the game plays. So what would you say is the primary mechanism at play? Okay. Uh, rather than primary, I think we're going to go with central mechanism. Sure. Central. Uh, we, mostly because it's, we've got a central board. Right. And the idea is there's boats and boats have meeples on them meeples of different colors and the colors denote different occupations so we've got your mages from the mage guild we've got your adventurers we've got your uh, alchemists or whatever they are uh it's it's yellow red green blue i think right. are the colors and then there's some some scoundrels and rogues that are different colors that right. uh, are less helpful because they don't buy anything from you oh, i wanted to jump in and say 
theme-wise, what's happening is these various meeples, um, these merchants are coming into port and they're going to be docking and buying your wares. Yeah, yeah. So these boats get filled and as they get filled, they come into to port and uh, you sell the blue goods to the blue people and the yellow goods to the yellow people, the green goods to the green people and so on. Uh, the idea being that only the adventurers are going to buy adventurers' gear, and only the uh, the bards are going to buy instruments and stuff like that. Right. So, um, you, as one of the shopkeepers of Merchant's Cove, are producing goods that these customers are going to want to buy. And so, all of the customers visit all the shops, and they buy everything from the shop that they can. These are cool customers. <laughs> um, loaded customers, right. might I say. Unlimited resources. Um, but where the game... And, and that's kind of cool because you're kind of maximizing... As, as, the, as you get more knowledge of the customers who are coming, you're kind of maximizing how you can make a profit from this group of customers. Um, got a really neat rondel mechanism that you use to do turn tracking where, you know, you can take bigger actions, but then you don't get to take actions again until later on. Right. Uh, similar to some other games. Actually, uh, Uwe Rosenberg has used this quite a bit. Um, things like, uh, uh, Nova Luna and, uh, New York zoo. Um, what was that little, little ice cream game that we have where this the green couch one? Yeah. Oh, what was that one? The uh, Rocky Road. Ah, uh, yeah, Rocky Road, Alamode. Right, and yeah, whoever's furthest back in the track gets to go. So, and you get to keep going until you're not furthest back anymore. Right. So you can, you know, you can take this huge turn, but then the person behind you can take five little turns, just catching up to you. Right, which is a neat balancing act. You know, you're thinking like, okay, I could do all of this, but then I'm really helping the other person with their next turn. So it, it keeps you in check a little bit. Yeah, it, it's, it's neat. So you've got these customers coming into port and each player is controlling their own shop and each shop is producing their own wares. So the dragon rancher is producing, surprisingly, dragons. Right. And I played both times as the, the alchemist, yeah, I guess. So you're, was that brewing, what it was? You're Is brewing was potions. Called? Yeah. Yeah. And so I had these cute little bottles that I got to put out on a little shelf for people to come and look at and browse and buy. Well, and for me, looking over at you, it looked like you were playing a mini game of potion explosion. Right, right. I had like little marbles and I would be able to select certain ingredients you know, on a certain row of the same color. And then I was filling up my little um, flasks with um, the necessary ingredients to make certain potions. Um, it was very satisfying. Those little marbles were a lot of fun. Well, and it had kind of the, the candy crush mechanism where, you know, if you line up two marbles that hit together, you get to take both those marbles, right? I believe so, yeah. It's been a little bit since we've played, but I think that's right. Yeah, and so, you know, there, theme-wise, you're brewing potions. I guess you'll brew a, a big potion of, of singing songs for the bards and, and a potion of strength for the adventurer or something like oh, that. that's right, right. I make all different uh, kinds of potions, yeah. which, well, like, 
sorry, I'm just going to add one thing. As you are placing meeples in the boats to come into port, that's something you want to be thinking about. Like, okay, I'm making a lot of green potions. So I want to try to be making sure there are green meeples coming into the right port so that they will buy my stuff. Well, and it's which boats the meatballs are getting into, but it's also which port that they dock at because right. some ports you can only sell little goods to, mm-hmm. some ports you can only sell big ports, uh, big goods to, right. and then there's the port where you know you can sell good or bad, uh, or sorry, you can sell big or little things, and but you get market. a little bit of like corruption or, or whatever that, that dark mark is. Right, right. Well, and I believe um, with the Dragon Rancher, aren't don't they have like giant dragons and you can only sell the giant dragons on 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 the the black black market market. yeah that's what it is yeah and then what was your character doing so i don't know if you said this explicitly but there are all these different characters to play and they all play so differently it's essentially like you're playing a different game except for that group board in the middle where we were doing the same sort of thing it's it's really neat and if you like so this is um Art by art by the Miko, and so if you like the Miko's art, so the Miko's he did the art for Architects of the West Kingdom and Paladins and and all of that series. Yeah. Um, if you like art by the Miko, this is like seven different games with that art and in this universe, it's very cool. Yeah. Uh, my character that I played, I was a sea captain, so mm. I would spin the dial on my compass that would give me a a bunch of um, actions that I could use, and then I would allocate those actions to move my little ships around, little 3D ships that I'm moving around my board. And I'm going to different islands, and I'm getting treasure, or I am going and getting fish from the sea. And then I bring them all back, and that's how I create my goods that I sell to people. Okay, so you're selling treasure and fish and that sort of thing? Exactly. Cool, yeah. It was a... It's a fantastic game, and I feel like we've only scratched the surface of it since we've only played uh, maybe half, maybe less than half of the the different characters. Yeah. Now, I mean, I can see some people complaining a little bit that each character, you know, if if you wanted to play, because there's there's like a roll and write character, mm-hmm. and you know, if you wanted to play a roll and write, you probably wouldn't play Merchant's Cove with the roll and write character. Sure. And if you wanted to play, you know, the potion explosion mechanism... You would just play potion explosion, maybe. Right. And so I, I don't think the strength of this game is in each of the characters is groundbreaking in their mechanisms that they're using. Right. But I do think it's a fun game. I love how it all comes together with the central board, the central mechanism. It's You're all playing the same game, but you're playing it so differently. It's true. It's true. It's good. And, you know, just thinking of possible complaints, another possibility is, you know, you are each playing your own game in many ways, and there's a little bit of player interaction on the central board, but a lot of it is personal play. But I found there was enough, you know, intersection in the central board that I wouldn't, I don't know, it wouldn't be a complaint for me. There was, there was enough. There wasn't a lot, but there was enough. Do you agree? Yeah, it's, it's self-styled as a asymmetrical euro. So right away, you're not looking for a lot of player interaction. Right, right. Euros are not known for that. 
hit me up with a few questions for this board game, Gordy. All right. Uh, this one is a bit of a selfish question. How many plays do you see this game getting in a year? <laughs> Gordy's wish, a hundred. Well, so it's a fairly, like it takes up a lot of table space. There's a decent amount of setup. And if we want to play other characters, we actually have to learn what those characters do. So you have to put a bit of time into it. So I could see it coming out possibly once a month. I will hold you to that. On the hopeful side. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Maybe every other month, but it's, it's got enough depth to it that I don't think we're going to find it gets stale anytime soon. No, I I agree with that. Um, And if it does, we just switch to another character. Right, right. And like different character combinations to just to see, you know, how does that affect things on the central board? Okay. Now, here's another question. Considering that, you know, this game could be hard to learn because you have to learn a different character every time, considering that it's got a bit of setup, yeah. how would you set the mood for this game? As in, like, music and background stuff? Or how are you thinking? Mood? Well, how, how, would you, how would you set someone up to play this game? Because it does have a very distinct taste to it, I would say. Mm-hmm. And I... I do think you would have to be in the right mood to play it. Sure. Well, I think part of mood setting, so to speak, would be to get them a little bit hyped for it. So show them the different characters and the cool artwork and, you know, get get them hooked into it a little bit, have some level of investment on their part in the game. And then, you know, maybe you can speed things up and get things rolling by you know, setting things up as you talk and, you know, trying to condense the, the pregame part of it, if that makes sense. Sure. Keep, keep the energy going. I, I agree with that. I'd like to move on to my game. Okay. If I may. Yep. Go for it. I'm going to talk about Battle Bears. Now, this is designed by Brendan McCaskill, Jonathan Thwaites, published by Oom Games. Released, uh, Board Game Geek said 2021. Uh, we have a copyright on the box, which was 2020. Now, Oom Games is a, a local publishing company, and they actually passed a copy along uh, for us to, to play, to enjoy, to review. And I would say we have been. We played it. We've, we've been enjoying it. Uh, it is a grid movement, variable player powers. It's a battle royale game. And I haven't played a lot of Battle Royale games. And to be totally honest, I'm not super interested in playing Battle Royale. Uh, Just there's a lot going on that could be fun, but then you get knocked out of the game and, oh, that's it. Right. So this game uh, plays in 10 minutes per player is what it says on the box. And I found it to be maybe a little bit longer than that, but we were just learning the game. This was a lot of fun. Uh, It was so it's it's based on loosely, uh, maybe loosely, I don't know. It's based on Battle Bears, which is an app from Skyview, Skyview Inc. Right, which we have not played. So that's why you're like, I don't know, because we've never played it. So who knows? Right. Um, we looked it up and my goodness, the graphics on the board game, 
so much nicer. Like it, it, the, oh, the artwork, the yeah. artwork looks so clean and appealing. Compared, the colors are nicer. They they pop. Yeah. Uh, just compared to the app, I would say falls flat visually. Yeah, this was very. The, the aesthetics are very appealing. They draw you in for sure. Yeah. And I mean, Oom Games hasn't done a lot of games, but the production on this game was really good. They've got these uh, neat little miniatures. The miniatures, the miniatures are all are different. Great. Um, Super fun. Cardboard punch outs are solid. Like it's, it's, it's a well-produced game. Well done, Oom Games. <laughs> um, did you already say that they're local? I did say. Yeah. Okay. I missed yeah. that part. Which is, is so fun. And it's fun to be able to support something that was created in our own city. It's fun. Oh, it really is. So, How does it play, Gordy? This game, uh, the idea is you are a crew of bears and you've crash landed on this, this planet. Um, and in the crash, all your gear was strewn out everywhere, so you don't really know where it is. You have to go out and find it, and you're just deciding what to do when over the horizon comes this cute little lovable bear. And it really is so cute. Oh, so cute. And you very soon realize as it gets closer that it is still cute. Too cute. The danger is in the cuteness. Uh, no, these, these little bears are called huggables. And the idea is that they will hug you to death. And there's a million of them. And so uh, you lose the game if you're overwhelmed by the huggables. Uh, so in this game, you are playing cards. You're, you're going around to different parts on the map where you, uh, you can draw cards. It's like you're scavenging equipment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you equip your cards. You've got, you know hand cards that you can use, uh, weapons, melee weapons, uh, you've got ranged weapons, you're shooting at each other, and you're shooting at the Huggables, because you don't want anyone else to win, you want to be the last man standing, and you want to survive the onslaught of the Huggables, and if you can be the last one standing, you get to escape the planet. Do you know, storyline-wise, why is it that you want to be the last one standing? I didn't quite catch that. I think it's because there's only enough supplies left in the crash for one person. That would kind of make sense. Yeah. It kind of. <laughs> but it's a it's a fun theme. You know, mm-hmm. it's um, the Huggables. They're like zombies, but so much more animated. Yeah. Um, now, the cool part about this game, I think the the really, really cool part, aside from some of the cards, the cards... They're really, pretty funny. They're hilarious. There's one, it's um, it's a gun, and it's called You're in Trouble. And it's a urinal strapped to a, a tube. <laughs> a little bit of yellow liquid squirting out the front of it. Blech. Things like that. There's Tom Hawk, and it's a hawk strapped to a, 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 a stick. <laughs> I, I'm assuming his name is Tom. Um, but you know, the hawk's beak is the axe. Um, soul's bane is Lego blocks. So clever cards, fun artwork. But the coolest part about this game, I think, is that when you're eliminated, the game doesn't end for you. That is a cool part because I always I have a little bit of a beef against player elimination games because then someone's left or someone's are left just sitting and watching and not doing anything and that 
I don't know. Unless there's a huge amount of hilarious action in the game, it's kind of boring if you're just sitting there. Yeah. No, it, it really... I'm not a fan. This one's neat, though. So how, how the game plays, you take your move, or you take your, your turn, and on your turn, you can do a couple actions. You can move around the board. You can attack. You can uh, reload your weapons, shuffle your equipment around, all of that kind of thing. Uh, each, each player has a special ability that they can use uh, by discarding cards in their hand. At the end of your turn, once you've done your actions, you have to take a huggable token and put it on the board somewhere. Right, as they start to surround you. Right, and so actually, at the same time that you're playing this battle royale, you're actually playing a little bit of an abstract, placing these tokens as strategically as you can. Mm-hmm. Right, because you don't want them to get too close to you, and you want to try to place them such that they will attack your opponents. Yes. Now, this gets bumped up to the next level when a player is eliminated, because the eliminated player isn't out of the game. They instead get this little miniature of a huggable in their color that they get to put on the board, same as they would place another huggable. Except this huggable, they get to move around the board and they get to come attack right, the, the some, players. Some powers that it... it's yeah, it's it's kind of fun. At the end of the huggable's turn, once a player becomes a huggable, uh, they get to put two of these huggable tokens down. So it really speeds so it things up. ramps up the yeah. abstract side of the game. Which because is, yeah, I like now that. they are on the huggables team. And the huggables can win if either all the players um, are eliminated, all the remaining players are eliminated in one turn at the same time. Uh, so like if one of the players chucks a grenade and it kills both players, hey, the huggables win. Yeah. The huggables also win if... Either they go to play a place a huggable token and there's no more huggable tokens, or if there's no legal place for a huggable token to be placed, then the huggables win. And this is neat because as the huggables close in around the players, parts of the board that can't be accessed anymore get moved away. So the area that the huggables right, need gets, to fill in gets smaller and smaller and, and easier to fill up. Yeah. Honestly, I think one of my favorite parts about the game was the way that it, you know, it snowballs as you get further into it. Oh. You know, there's less board. There's more huggables. Players are getting eliminated. So there's even more huggables. And then, yeah, just like right at oh, the end. very quick. And now the little huggable miniature can still be eliminated, at which point the player is just playing the abstract where they're putting two tokens down. But it still becomes almost this kind of cerebral experience of, okay, I can put these two tokens down. How do I put these two tokens down to cut off these tiles? The coolest part about playing the abstract is it actually becomes a co-op game with all the other huggables. Right, right. And so you're planning out your turns like, okay, if I put these two here, you put these two here, and they put these two here. This whole section of the board gets surrounded or it gets cut off and we get to do damage to this character. Yeah. So it's it was helpful too. I needed to duck out for a bit and other huggables could just play for me. It was helpful. Well, and you could trust them cuz right. they're, they're now on, on my your team. team. Yeah. That was good. Okay, can I shoot a question at Battle Bears or did you have anything Absolutely. more to add? Okay. So, we've said a lot of positive about the game because there are a lot of positives. What would you say is one maybe slightly frustrating part of the game? 
all right, this isn't a real frustration, but there's a little part of me that is kind of like, what is going on with the theming here? And okay. and I need to explain myself a little bit. Um, the cards, I already talked about, you've got your, your urinal gun, you've got your tomahawk, you've got your soul's bane Lego. Yeah. Um, but some of the cards are kind of like food, um, you know, like food fight kind of, kind of stuff. And then some of them are like actual like sci-fi guns. Like there's, so there's like a, a potato launcher or okay. a potato bazooka or something. So it's like, okay, so it's like food, like, you know, Donkey Kong, we're, we're shooting coconuts at each other. Oh, wait, no, this is a, this is a ray gun. Oh. So it's kind of a little bit a like, little what's, what's going now, on with the theming here? Question. I don't know if this answers the questions about the theme because I have not read it either. But did you read the small comic book that comes with it? The small comic book was awesome. So this okay. is, this is a, an alternative to reading the rules because it tells you kind of play by play. I think it gives you most of the information. Does that it the really? I didn't know it you. did the rules. That's so cool. It's a More rule book. More games should do that. But it's so much more enjoyable than reading through the rules. Our game should make rule book comic books. I love that. That's so cool. Um, Can I just answer my own question? One thing that I found slightly frustrating is there were actually a fair number of different symbols. Um, So I, and I know we found with the particular game group that we played with, sometimes the symbology was a little bit confusing for some of the players just because there were a number of different symbols and sometimes it was a little hard, especially we dove in fairly quickly. Um, and there wasn't like a reference of the symbols. Am I right? There was a reference, but there weren't reference cards. The reference Sorry, was in, reference the, in the rule book. Right. So maybe we should have just put the rule book out where everyone could see it so they could reference back to those symbols. But there was enough variety in the symbols that it was a little bit confusing well, to some I, people. Yeah, I, I wish that there were player reference cards that, that had the symbols nice. on them. I think if we, or we if like I think we're going to bring it out again. Yeah, but yeah, when yeah. when we bring it out again, I I think having some photocopies or some copies, even if people take a picture on their phone, I think that would be really helpful for them up. to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was my main thing. Was just like, I wish that would have been a little bit easier, a little bit easier to understand. Now, for us, having played lots of games. Not too bad for a more inexperienced player. It was a little bit overwhelming. Like, what does the symbol mean in this symbol? What, what, what? So that was my only little beef with it. And it really wasn't a beef. For today's topic, we wanted to look at some of the many issues that can happen in a game night. And some issues are small and you can get over them quickly and it's not a big deal, but some issues actually have the possibility of derailing game night completely. And we wanted to discuss how to approach these issues when they arise. Now to do a little bit of pre-research, we put out a few questions on Instagram related to this topic and we got a few really good responses, I would say. So I wanted to start by sharing some of those. So the first question that we put out there was, how do you respond to alpha gamers during game night? Let's see what people said. So one person said here, it's not your turn. Do your turn when it's your turn. Ooh, the sass on that. Love it. This person has not had to deal with one. They clearly have 
very good game night friends. Or they don't play co-ops. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I've seen alpha gaming even when it's not a co-op game. Yeah, when, like enough. someone telling someone what to do excessively, even when they're playing against that person. Maybe they're, you know, maybe they're just justifying it. Like, I'm just helping out this person. But really, they're just being bossy. Does that person then win? What the... Because that could be in poor taste. <laughs> All right, do this, 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 and this. Oh, now I win because you put yourself here. Uh-huh. Um, this one said, I'll let it slide once, then I'll ask them to refrain. Works or it doesn't. After that, it's easy. Don't play. Okay. This person said, um, in some games, only near players can talk. Dungeon crawler. Only in same tile. So I'm guessing in this particular game, you can only maybe discuss things if you're on the same tile with somebody. Well, and, and it you, may be you like draw a, in the thematic ties. Like, what? Are you shouting at him from around the corner? You're nowhere near him. So right. you can't talk to him. Right. Which could be a good way to deal with it in a less confrontational way is like lean into the theme of it. Yeah. This doesn't make sense. You don't have a megaphone. Um, the same person also said you could ask an opinion of every player. So I guess maybe like, okay, I take what you're saying. How about you? What's your opinion on this? So maybe take what that person says with a grain of salt. Very obviously. Well, it, it just, it broadens the spotlight. Right, because right. Because you, you've got one person who's got the spotlight on them. You take it, zoom it back so that everyone is in the light. Yeah. Um, one other response to this question said, try to get ahead of them. So remind everyone ahead of time that everyone gets to make their own choices, even if it's a co-op game. So then later, if they are violating that, maybe you could call back like, Hey, remember everyone is independent. Right. Well, and you can hearken back to that kind of a little bit more softly. You know, you can say, Hey, that's a really good good idea that you're saying but at the end of the day you can make whatever choice you want right right okay another question that we put out there was what do you do when someone refuses to follow the rules <laughs> the sass machine said not invite them to game night anymore i mean that does take care of that um this one says halt and explain clearly if they still refuse after all others agree stop playing with that difficult person Right, sure, because you're taking it from, do they understand the rules? And then once it's cleared up that, yes, they understand the rules, right. now it's, they They're don't want to play by the rules. So <laughs> right. don't play. Right, and and maybe that's a time when you kind of have to say, like, clearly you want to play a different game. Because if you're not playing the rules, you're actually not playing this game. So it might be time to call the game. Um this person said, I feel like you have played games with my children before. I think we've definitely learned that when you play with children, they don't always want to follow the rules. And we've definitely played games with someone's children before. So maybe that was this person. <laughs> um, this person says, one minute in the corner. Apparently we're putting them in timeout. <laughs> this person has not experienced that. And another person said, wait, 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 wait. Can, can we back up a second? Sure. What? The person who has not experienced this. Were they else the person who has not experienced alpha gamers? Uh, no, different, different okay. person. Because yes. I was going to say, maybe this person just hasn't played board games. <laughs> now, we haven't experienced a ton where someone just 
is super obstinate in not following the rules. I'm not going to say we've never experienced it because I know that we have, but it hasn't happened a ton. Usually people are pretty, like they accept the fact that when you play a game, there are rules to follow. Well, yeah. When, when they agree to play a board game. Right. That doesn't mean it always works out that smoothly. Um, okay. Let's see. This question that we had was, do you ever say something if one player is super distracted? Um, this person said, if I need to keep catching them up on what is happening, then yes. Right. So I guess if they're distracted, but they manage to be ready enough for their turns that it's not hindering the gameplay, I guess you could let it slide. Um, this person says, um, like quotes here, they would say, do you want to keep playing or are you done? Not a bad way to respond. I would just put them by the alpha gamer. <laughs> let them hash it out. No, the alpha gamer can play too. The one person can be distracted and the other person can just play their turn for them. Right, there you go. Um, this person had some real honesty to share. I am the distracted one. So this person has a good wait, wait sense to own of up to that. Right, self-awareness. Um, and then here we've got, oh, this is a very, I feel like this is a mom talking. Ask if they have something on their mind and if they're okay. I like that. Check on them. Maybe there's something going on. This next person says, it depends on why, but often yes. And I think that's important. You want to just, you know, maybe they're waiting for a text to come in and they're checking on it. it. It's good not to assume that it's just that they're bored and distracted on their phones or distracted with whatever. Um, and then this person says, again, try to get ahead of it. Okay, and then... Well, I think that's that's a big one. If everyone knows, like... Right, you can hey, establish be, things. Be present with the group. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't even need to be, like, don't be on your phones. Right, right. It can be a little bit more general than that. All right, so we asked a question. We said, which of these, in your opinion, is a better way to deal with players who don't get along which is something that we've experienced occasionally in game nights. 70% of people voted for invite separately. And then 30% voted for careful game choice. Because Ooh. certainly there are games that maybe could incite a little bit more of the player disagreement and bickering and some that might promote a little more harmony or maybe just them not interacting. <laughs> well, I would be super interested in, in each of those like what you said, 30%? 30% said careful game choice. Well, I'd, I'd be super interested in like, what kind of games are they thinking? Sure. Can, you know, can can make the difference. Right. What games promote harmony? I, I honestly think if you have games where they just don't interact that much, that might work pretty well. Well, maybe. But if one person is taking too long on their turns, that's not going to promote nice feelings towards each other so a game where they don't interact a bunch but the turns are fast maybe is good or there's not a ton to think about so you don't have to belabor your strategy or maybe a game where you're supposed to be mean to each other but wouldn't they maybe just lean into that too much well maybe but maybe that's the point of the game <laughs> okay um 
Then I ask the question, what most quickly derails game night? So this gives us some fodder for our discussion because here are a bunch of possible glitches in game night. Here we've got someone who doesn't care, definitely. A player rage quitting, mm-hmm. Um, when your husband is being petty. <laughs> I, I don't know if you've been petty when we've played a game together, have you? Not usually. You have a pretty good attitude when we play. I try really hard. Yeah. I, feel like I can I'm sulk a little the, bit. I feel like I'm usually the one who gets petty. Um, when no one is into it, for sure. Being mean to people. Mm-hmm. Alcohol. Fair. Derails game night. Fair. <laughs> um, and then just because this doesn't directly relate to our topic, but because I think it's fun to share these responses. I finally asked this question, what is the secret sauce to a successful game night experience? And I got things such as candy, yes, a tried and true game and a couple drinks, a thunderstorm, ooh, mood, drinks, the right time of day, a great meal and wine. So this person is turning it into a whole, a whole thing with dinner and everything. Good group and good games and snacks, must be snacks. There's a, there's a theme of food and beverage here. And then, I wonder who said this last one, hosting well. Wait. It was me. I, I That was me. <laughs> All right. So, I feel like we have a lot to discuss. We've got a lot of content here. Well, I, I feel like we need to give a Delve big in. thank you to yeah, everyone to... who commented and mm-hmm. everyone who gave us these answers. That's fantastic. Yeah, and I think we should do this a little more often in our episodes is get input from other people. Because, I mean, we will be the first to say that we do not have, we certainly do not have all the answers. I'm not convinced we have any answers. We just have thoughts. And coming out of COVID, our game night, uh, we're, we're a little rusty too. Right. Well, and I think we've gotten a little bit lazy too, because we usually just play with family and, you know, a few closer friends. And so it's the same people over and over and over and over and over again. Right. So honestly, you know, I'm thinking of our last episode where we talk about creating the game night experience that you want and how to do that through hospitality and hosting well. Where have we heard those words before? And... I'm not convinced we always do that when it's our family and friends because we're like, Meh, whatever. It's just, it's just them. They're fine. They don't need us to. Well, I think go to the great lengths. The the thing about hosting well is it takes work. It takes thought. Right, right. And we get lazy. Forethought and effort. Yeah. And you know, it's it is work. Yeah. And oftentimes we just want to play games. It's true. Now, one benefit to playing with these familiar people is I think we're all fairly comfortable with each other. So you see more of these issues cropping up. I think when you're a little bit more, you know, on your best behavior, because it's not people you know super well, I don't think as many of these issues arise. Would you agree with me? Like, I feel like it's come a lot more when it's with people we know really well. Sure. But let's go back to the part where you said it's a benefit. Right. So yes, these issues that come up are 
problematic and sometimes awkward, but I think it gives us the opportunity to learn how to confront these issues and learn what to do when they arise. And caveat, I'm not convinced we've learned how to deal with them well yet, but it's at least caused us to think about, hmm, what could we have done in this scenario? Because things didn't go super well there and our game night started to go off the rails a little bit and we maybe didn't approach it well. So well, benefit sure, being actually, we now our... get to think about these things and hopefully come to some semblance of solutions and answers. Sure. I mean, our, our last game night, we had a little bit of an issue <laughs> pop up. Uh, you were you know, looking like, over at me plug! doing the, the, the cutthroat action. <laughs> right. I was like, Kate, this is, this is, this is going in the toilet. Just flush it now. Be done. Yeah. So anyway, what, what was happening was we were playing a game and one of the players was, you know, familiar with this kind of game. No one, no one at the table had played this game before, but they were familiar with right, this kind a, of game, familiar with the ideas. Framework. Yeah, some of the mechanics that, that were used. Another player had no idea what to do. And the one player was actually quite mean to the other player. Right, getting quite like, impatient. Why, why don't you understand this? This is so simple. And... I mean, as with all things, there's more going on in the story, more, you know, behind the scenes, but... Right, it was it was not a good approach to dealing with someone who's a little bit confused as to what's going on. Yelling at them and telling them to understand, you know, it's funny, it just right. doesn't really get through. Well, and, you know, kind of just everyone else is kind of awkwardly sitting at the table and and you know the the one player being yelled at was on the verge of tears um it's just that's the kind of thing that it can ruin game night for everyone right well you know the person on the hot seat is like kate this isn't fun at all and the people observing are like i want to be anywhere but here right now because this is super uncomfortable and I, I don't know about the person who was doing the yelling. Maybe, maybe it was fun. Well, they're clearly that. not having a good time. <laughs> right. Sure. I guess if they're upset and yeah, so it just, it, we were ready to pull the plug, call it quits. At least I was, um, thankfully you, what, what did you do? How did you approach it? Well, I, I kind of said, I, I did step in. And kind of as gently as I could said, hey, you know, maybe, maybe I can take this one um, in, in explaining the rules. And, it, you know, the, the person on the verge of tears, I wasn't about to sit down and explain the rules to them. So, you know, we kind of just let, they, they wanted to quick end their turn. And we kind of just, yep, good, good. And then move on. Right. And then over the next, you know, over the course of the next round or so, I explained a little bit better, kind of some general rules. I came over to that side of the table and explained to the person beside them uh, some things like, uh, this was Battle Bears, and so I went over and explained some of the iconography and, and yeah. delved into the back, uh, the you know, just the, the details. Right, give a little bit of theme background to help right. and, have and things to hang, hang the rules on to. Yeah, so we pulled we pulled through. Everyone had a good time by the end. Yeah, so 
there is a judgment call to make in those scenarios. You know, is it going so poorly that we can't pull through and that we need to just, you know what, this isn't going to work. We got to stop. And I think there are times where that has to happen. You know, if, if the player being mean had continued that pattern, thankfully that was a bit of a one-off, but if that pattern had continued, it would have ruined it for everyone the whole game. Right. Well, I'm not convinced that pulling the plug at that point would have been a bad idea. (laughs) Um, but we were able to salvage it. Yeah. Definitely, if it had continued. <laughs> right. Another round or two of very that. Very quickly becomes unsalvageable. Yeah. Um, and the fact is some people, <laughs> I mean, stuff goes on outside of game night. And if they've come with some baggage or attitude, <sighs> there might be nothing that you can do besides saying, you know what, we're going to try this again another time. Tonight's just not the night for this. Yeah. You can maybe switch it up and play some different games, like yeah. some light party games or, or... Right. Maybe some laughter would have would have lightened things a bit. But the fact is, if someone's got a bad attitude, they're probably going to still have a bad attitude when you play a party game. Maybe more so because they might find it annoying. Yeah. And at least if they have a bad attitude because you ask them to leave they're being grumpy outside your house. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. And maybe there's a time and the place for like, you're great. I want to keep you as a friend. Let's reschedule this. (laughs) Yes. And keep the nice people. I don't see that we have to quit game night for everyone. So a possible way to deal with somebody who's impatient and maybe a bit rude to the other players, intervene potentially, and try to not allow a cycle of that to develop. Because I think you nipped it in the bud, and I think that helped. Yeah, kind of before it got, before it became the precedent. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then (laughs) if it had continued, I think we needed to be ready and prepared to say enough is enough. We're stopping the game. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, what, what about some other things that could go wrong? Some other glitches that could happen in game night? We're familiar with some. We're, how about games starting late? This is one we are all too familiar with right. because we have people under four years old in our house. Right, right. And especially because we're primarily playing with people who know us really well and know our life circumstances well. They're very gracious and don't necessarily arrive on time knowing that we probably won't start on time. And, you know, we've got, we've got that kind of figured out. But if we're inviting new people in or people who just don't know us that well, it could be a bit of an annoyance. Like, Hey, you told me to be here at 8.30 for games, but it is 9.15 and we have not played a game yet. And that could be frustrating. So well, they've got things, you know, maybe that's not the only thing they've got on their agenda tonight, or maybe it's past their bedtime and <laughs> they've stayed up late to play games with us. Like, you know, all, all these kinds of things. This is sounding familiar. We have had this scenario happen fairly recently, actually. Oh. <laughs> yep. Yes, it, it's ringing a bell now. Yeah, yeah, yep. it's ringing a bell. Yeah. So, okay. What do we do? Now. What could we do? 
one thing that I'm a fan of that we haven't really done, and there's a reason we haven't done it, but I'm a fan of bringing out a filler game. You know, if you're waiting for something, either you're waiting for the last member to show up or in our case, waiting for the kids to fall asleep. Um, I make it sound so passive. Like it's something that just happens. Oh yeah, they'll (laughs) fall asleep. Okay. Waiting for one of us to finish putting the kids to sleep. When the song and dance has come to an end. Um, you know, pull out a filler game. Sure. You know, not everyone needs to be playing it. You can have even like two or three people playing a filler game while the other ones are kind of running around it. Yeah, or even just it like a gives medium the, weight the game. sense of moving things forward. Now, yeah. we haven't done that a whole lot because the people who we invite over, they've been good to hang out. They've been good to talk. They've been good to you know, right. just, just or hang out. they came over for a very specific game and that's like, that's the game that we're playing. And maybe there's a little less acceptance towards, you know, adding in a filler game into the evening plans. Or maybe not even just the need for adding in a filler game. Sure, sure. Now, one thing, you know, maybe they just came to play to play something, to hang out and play something. So it could even be that, you know, they come, they hang out, they play that filler game, and maybe that's all the time they have, and they can go still having hung out and played a game. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's a possibility. So I, I agree that that's a good idea. Um you know, I think it can help, especially if you have a rhythm in your game nights to have some pre-assigned roles, so to speak, to help move things along. You know, if it's if it's on us to, you know, put out snacks, get drinks ready, choose the game, set up the game, teach the rules, you know, all of that, and we're trying to get the children to sleep, maybe we could help move things along by saying, okay, so-and-so, when you come to game night, would, game night, would you mind being the tea person? Would you mind when you come in, pull up the mugs, you know, boil the water, pick out teas, etc. And you, would you be in charge of bringing out a few game options for people to decide and then start setting up? You know, if you've got those pre-assigned roles, that can super help to move things along. Now, this works well for uh, for right. your regular game group. Totally. Not so well for, hey, person I've just met, want to come play games at our house? Right. And here's your job. Now, I don't think a little delegation, even with new people, is a problem, you know? Well, and it, it can actually move into, in some ways, making them feel welcome. At least sure. making them feel like... They're part of things. Yeah. Like you're... you're part of our night yeah and and like why couldn't you to a new person coming and say here's where the mugs live here's where the tea lives would you mind being in charge of that or we have a mini fridge right out in the garage would you grab a variety of drinks and bring them in you know or could simple you, delegation you know look through the the shelf of games and pull out you know, the five that are most eye-catching to you. Sure, sure. Which is a great way of drawing people in and being welcoming. I think I think one can host well and show hospitality without doing everything oneself. Well, I think sometimes if you're trying to do everything yourself, you're actually not going to host as well. Right. You're going to be a bit of a crazy person. So I, I would say definitely don't be afraid to include people in moving the evening forward so let's move on to another one 
that we're all too familiar with, which is interruptions to game night. Right, right. The big one being, and this has happened so frequently, that one of our children wakes up, right? We're in the middle of a game. And it's almost never a game where it's like super easy to keep playing. Like we have to put some effort in to keep things moving ahead. Because first of all, our smallest child is the grabbiest little individual that I have ever encountered. With the fastest hands in the West. So fast. Just and it's off the table. I, I can't keep up with him. So what do we do, Gordy? I have no good one for this. Uh, I mean, we could take a break and, and play a different game. If we have table space or we have a different table, uh, we could play a different game, play a filler game, literally a filler game. Um, you know, like something with these six cards, you're not, there's not a whole setup that you have that you're worried about. When Gordy says these six cards, he's referring to medium. Yes. He forgot that this is an audio thing. Well, you know, maybe they can hear that I haven't cleaned up the game yet. (laughs) Um, I mean, we've also done where we kind of just pass him around to the people not playing the game, which works when it's people that we know he's not super thrilled to go to strangers and it works as long as people are willing to push their chairs <laughs> back from baby. the table yeah um, right because you can't stay close and you probably have to pace right. while holding in. with our older daughter now this hasn't happened actually in quite a while but you know if she were to wake up during a game that we were playing i think we would have a little bit of a different approach um where in this case, we might actually try to include her a little bit. You know, maybe she could move our pieces on the board for us or help us choose which card. You know, our strategy or our gameplay might go downhill a little bit, but the success of the game might depend on having her included. Yeah, no, that's that's true. And she is getting better at understanding you know, things like turns and no, you can't move the pieces until Just a certain time. Yeah. Right. And, you know, you mentioned the possibility of pulling out a filler game. Maybe we would pull out one of her games because she has some games that, you know, while they are doable for her, they're not unfun for us. You know, I'm thinking of Dragomino. I have a lot of fun with those games. There's still a bit of strategy involved. And, you know, maybe we want to take the 10 minutes it takes to play that game, pause our bigger game play that with her and then, you know, try that again. Okay. So what about interruptions that, uh, you know, don't involve someone under four coming out of their rooms? What, you know, what if someone has to leave Okay. in the middle of a game? Sure. Well, a lot of games, I would say it's not impossible to phase out a player. Sure. You know, now it might, I'm thinking of like a co-op game, for example, in a cooperative game, it's, you know, depending on the game, it's maybe possible. Now, some games depend on a certain number of players, you know, or like the setup. You it do that particular setup for players. that number yeah, of players. Yeah, sure. So that could be challenging. Now, you could potentially, especially if it was a co-op and maybe even if it wasn't, maybe take turns being that person, potentially. Yeah. Or have your alpha gamer play two people. <laughs> you clearly don't have enough to direct how about you play two characters? (laughs) Um, So that's a possibility. And, you know, maybe if the game's not even going that well anyway, 
maybe you just scrap it and play a different game. Yeah, I, I think depends depending how invested on the you game, are at that, that might point. be the one to go with, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and it could be like, okay, we're 45 minutes into this game. It's a two hour game. Do we really want for over an hour to be, you know, taking turns playing this extra player or, you know, dealing with the consequences of losing them in the game? So I, I think it it's it's a case by case situation, but I think those are certainly some possibilities for how you could deal with that. No, very true. All right. Do you have any other glitches that you can think of? Um, let's see. Well, a lot of these, you know, that we talked about in our little intro there with the Instagram questions, I really think that you can potentially head off with an initial conversation, you know, and we mentioned this in our, in our previous episodes, you know, talking about things like, Hey, one rule we have on game night is be ready for your turn. So make sure that if you're checking your phone, it's not preventing you from being prepared for your turn because that slows it down for everybody. And it just, it, you lose the energy of the game if people are doing that. Um, so I think, I think for things like that, you know, even alpha gaming, um, you know, possibly like some people get really impatient if there's one player who takes a super long turn and just the tension around that can, put a little bit of a sour taste in things. I think it's not unreasonable to say, Hey, we try to keep things moving. So if you're having trouble deciding what to do in a turn, either just try something or ask for help rather than dragging out your turn. So give people a few options of what they could do if they are experiencing that analysis paralysis, that's stretching out their turn and causing some frustration in other players. Yeah, well, and I, I really like, I, I think it's a great idea to head it off at the beginning. Yep. You know, even as something many like things as possible. analysis paralysis, if you let them know that, you know, it is just a game. Right. You know, let's go for quick turns, quick snappy turns. Yeah. You know, and it's it's sometimes more fun to have bad turns take place. Well, and I find it sometimes fun. It depends on the game, but... You know, there's a little bit of like danger and adventure in like, I'm just going to try this. Um, and, and not like sit there and weigh the pros and cons of this option versus this option. Yeah, it, it, it makes it more exciting sometimes when you don't belabor the strategy. Yeah, well, then you have to live with the consequences of a snap action. Yeah. And one other thing too is remind people, hey, and again, this is, this depends on the game, but everyone else's turn is a great time for you to start to think about what you're going to do. Some people like check out a little bit until it's their turn again. And it's Whoa, like, did you just put together the distracted person and this glitch? What? <laughs> Two right? birds with Two one, birds stone. one stone. Done. Oh man, we should have been playing medium. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I don't know. I'm a firm believer I am, this is definitely a do as I say and not as I do situation because I'm a firm believer in you should get ahead of these things with a little friendly chat. Do I do this? Yeah, no, your, your get ahead chats are not friendly at all. 
Lay down the law. No, I just don't say anything because I'm like, I just want to be nice and not make people feel weird. But I think any tiny amount of weirdness at the beginning is so worth it for preventing a lot of much more than tiny weird situations later. I appreciate it when I'm somewhere and someone is upfront enough to do it. It's like a little bit jarring. Right, you're like, whoa, they laid down the law. But I appreciate it because right. it makes it very clear. Yep, right. Well, we talked about this in our last episode that for some people, now there are, there are those people who can step into any situation and just live their life and they don't worry about, am I breaking unspoken rules? And they just, they don't care or they don't even think about it. But there are those more sensitive types who feel really awkward if they don't know what's expected of them and can feel pretty anxious about that. So we are doing a service to those people. And really we're just doing a service to game night in general by being clear and preventing what can cause awkward situations and potentially ruin game night and make it so that people don't want to come back and play with you again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here's one that we haven't talked about at all that I think is, is worth discussing is what do you do when people just aren't getting the rules? Like we've talked, we talked a little bit about that one person and someone getting impatient, but what do you do when just there's a general lack of clarity and everyone is like, wait, what do you do? I'm so confused. I don't understand. And that's just like a common theme in what like you're one single person or in general, people aren't getting the rules. Maybe either one. Well, I think if it's in general, people aren't getting the rules. You need to go through a, a list of like stop and restart. Like stop. Okay. Look at the rules. Restart. Right. Uh, maybe you need to pick a different game. <laughs> maybe. But I mean, we, we talked about teaching board games. So maybe you Oftentimes, what happens when people aren't, you know, when we've had people who haven't understood rules, it's because we've taken shortcuts on teaching the rules. Right. You know, we've just As read through the rule book really quickly and then, and then here we go. Yeah. Um, but if it's one person who's not understanding the rules, easy, just sit them by the alpha gamer. That is my answer to everything. <laughs> no. Utilize <laughs> this strength of theirs. I, I don't know. I think sitting beside them actually... At that point, if someone is not getting the rules... Maybe play open hand or... Yeah, cards on the table, play a few rounds, open hand, explain what you're thinking step by step as you go through and have everyone do that step by step. Um, Make some connections using the rules for the person. Because we have had some scenarios where we've played and I've realized this person has no idea what's going on. And it's tough when everyone else is getting it because like, do you grind everything to a halt? But, but I like your idea of come alongside them and like partner up with them. And maybe if you're playing with somebody who you know has a, a more challenging time learning the rules, maybe you pick a team, team kind of game. And here I'm not necessarily saying cooperative, but a game where you're literally on the same team or Maybe you're playing a game, you know, like let's say there's eight people or six people and it's a max four player game. So it forces some teams. So it's a little bit more organic. 
Um, and then you could say, Hey, would you play with me? And then you can, you know, do it, do it alongside them. Yeah. Important. So you're not like singling them out. Like you clearly need help. Right. But it's important then that you're taking them along, not just someone doing else it for who's them. doing it. Right. And, and you then, know, then they're the distracted one on their phone and it doesn't matter. Right. And then they just you're don't enjoy it. game night. And you're doing them a disservice. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I have another one. Okay. And this one hits a little close to home. What happens when there's a major rule that you've been playing wrong? <laughs> you know, not, not <laughs> so crew. bad. Not so bad on a game like the crew where each round lasts 10 yes, minutes. But the problem is with that critical rule we were missing, we invested hours, hours of play thinking, why is this so hard? We must be able to do this. And it turns out, no, we could not because we were playing it wrong, hugely wrong. Uh, so to answer your question, what do you do? What do you do when it's not a 10 minute game? When it's, you know, you are an hour into a two hour game and, and you're you like, realize, oh, this makes so much more sense. Well, the, if it's your first play, We've said this five million times, and I think we need to keep bringing it back to not only is it just a game, but if it's your first time playing, you're we're learning it. Even the rule teacher is still actually learning the game, and I think there needs to be a removal of pressure. Like, so what if you didn't play it perfectly? We're, we're all just figuring it out, um, which, again comes back to get ahead of things and say, hey, this is our first play. We might not get everything perfect, and that's okay because we're figuring it out together. Yeah, I, I think that's solid. I think we can remember, like, it's it's your game, and your games are there for you to have fun. Right. And the fact of the matter is, I'm, like, bringing it back to the crew again. If we weren't enjoying it, we would not have played it 25 times. If it was a bad game and we were not even having fun, we wouldn't have kept trying. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe and if we had a some sort of like gambling addiction or something. E- but. Even like bigger, longer games. You know, it's it's easy to start down a path of gamer's guilt. Like, oh, we should probably undo as many turns as we can and try to get this rule right. I don't think so. If If you're having fun... Or maybe you weren't having fun, but this rule change makes it more fun. Mm-hmm. Just pick it up. You know, either pretend that you've been doing it the whole time or just, you know, say, okay, this game doesn't count. It's a learning experience, but let's carry it through with the right rule. Right. You know, right. let's see where this leads us. Right. And if it's a shorter game, that's, that's beautiful because then you can just restart with the right rules. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think so much comes down to these are just games and removing that pressure of like making it some big, big deal. Cause it's not, it's really just not. No, no. They're there. So you can have fun. Right. And if that's being accomplished, who cares if, whoa, sorry. <laughs> I almost said, who cares if you got a rule wrong? oh that is that is that is hard for me actually but the rules the rules support the experience it's true right you don't want the experience is built around the rules yeah um okay 
what do we do? I think let's just talk about one or two more here before we wrap it up. But what do you do? And this was one of the Instagram ones, but I want to put our own take on it. When you have some real clashing going on of personalities. I still want to know what they were thinking. Like, oh, you can pick different games and and make that go away. I want to know what those games are. I want to know what their thought process is. That sounds amazing. Well, you know, I'm thinking of like pulling out just kind of a ridiculous game, like Sticky Chameleons, you know? Like, you can get super competitive that game, but it's hard to, like, actually... I don't know. Okay. No, I guess no, no, if you no, no, were no. super grumpy with somebody. I could see that being the only time ever these words are spoken at game night. Ah, oh, I got your tongue in my eye. <laughs> we pray that is the only time we hear those words at game night. Uh, but, I don't know, it's just, it's such... Like, every time we've played that game, it's ended in peals of laughter. Yeah, because no, that's that's true. It's just, it's ridiculous. So I, I don't know. I think if there is a bit of feuding going on and bad attitudes and people being grumpy with each other, again, it has to be the right people. But I, I think just <laughs> lighten the mood with something that reminds you of what game night's about, which is fun. Okay, now what about this? What about something like uh, a game like... Uh, Tales of the Arabian Nights. Okay, like or that. or is it Arabian Nights? I don't know, but it's hard for me not to go Arabian Nights. Way way to show self control there. <laughs> um, you know, right? Where it's like very story driven, and there's not really like, I guess there's good strategy or well, not, but really you're just doing things to see what the story does. And I mean, there's a way to win that game and there's a point system. I feel and like we've only finished the game like one time. Well, we've never used the point system. We just like it, the stories. It seems, it seems clunky and forced and it's so much more to just play it sandbox. Um, well, and it's so fun. Like, oh no, I got this curse and now I can't do such and such. And right. This is my so, story. Especially if we're not playing points, especially if, you know, yeah. there's no winner. It's just the experience. There's very little interaction between the players. I mean, what, maybe follow each other around? Like, right. But so there's not interaction in the game itself but, but there's, there's a interaction lot of at interaction the table. right because you're like oh my gosh that's hilarious that that happened to you what should i do what do you guys think should i choose this option or this option what sounds most fun yeah and so there's not room for clash i guess you could still have someone who's mean but there's not room for there's not as much room for clash right I, a game that i'm thinking of that has caused tension in the past i'm thinking of chinatown you know, because you've got the whole oh, any, trading, any kind of... trading games are, ugh. I don't recommend a trading game or a game that involves trading when you have players who easily butt heads, because then it's like, oh, this person won't trade with me. And then they're like, huh, yeah, I'm not going to trade with you well, either. And then, well, yeah, I'm not going to trade with you because you traded with them. And then you get these little, you know, everyone else is pulled into their cyclone of, of, alliances right right and also another game that i would not recommend in these situations is that oldie settlers of Catan, because well again you've got you've trading. got trading but also 
you know, you can be mean and like oh, move put, the robber ro- onto move their the robber, or you build something that blocks someone else. You block their road expansion. Like there's actually quite a few ways to be mean in that game. So maybe just don't have mean games when there's people right. clashing. Choose wisely. This is a great time for like a Euro where you're all just doing your own little thing. Um, you know, a game like Munchkin, for example, probably not a wise choice because there's, you know, you get towards the end of the game and people gang up on someone as you need to do unless you want them to win. And yeah, it can get real mean. Okay. Real mean. How's this for an idea? You've got five people, six people, you know, there's only a few games that play at that count. Mm -hmm. What about splitting up your groups? Yeah, you know, the clashers in different game groups. Well, and it works fairly well in our house because we've got a nice big kitchen island with a few chairs at it and our big table. So you could totally, yeah, especially, okay, which just incorporates another possible glitch in game night is if you have people who don't agree on what game to play. You know, this person, I refuse to play such and such a game. And that person, oh, but I really wanted to play that game. Or even just different kinds of games. You know, this person doesn't want to invest two hours in a game. I mean, they'll invest two hours in three different games, but they don't want to invest two hours in In a game. In one game. Sure. Yeah. If you have enough people, I mean, honestly, all you really need is four. Play two different games. Two and two. Or more. That's a great idea. And just (laughs) hopefully the people who don't get along are in opposite groups. Yeah. No, I I think. Yeah. Which 70% of people said, if people don't get along, invite them separately and maybe just make them play separately. But this is a way, yeah, a way to have them invited in the same game night, you know, because most people don't have the luxury of being able to have seven game nights a week. (laughs) Right. Um, But inviting them the same, having them play separately, separate tables. You could even do separate rooms. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's do one last one. What do you do when there's unfairness or cheating that's coming up? So either somebody, you know, let's say somebody is always interpreting a certain rule in such a way that, you know, favors them and you're pretty certain or you are certain that they're playing it wrong, but they're, you know, firm on, nope, this is right. Um, Maybe you have somebody knowingly or unknowingly just cheating. (laughs) Um, What what do you do? What do you do? I mean, it doesn't really work to say just know the rules better. You could, I guess, flip through the rule book and figure out what the rules are. But then you're you're distracted from the game. And you are the person who's distracted. Oh, sure. Maybe you need to put the onus on them. You know, hey, I don't remember reading that. Can you look through the rule book and find the answer to that? You know, you say this is what you can do. Can you, Can you show me? Can you show me in the rule book? And maybe like, hey, it's probably going to be in this section. Can you look here? And yeah. maybe you take a little time out from the game, refill drinks, grab snacks. You know, especially if it's if it's a minor rule, I don't think it's worth stopping everything to figure it out. But if it's something that keeps cropping up and there's maybe a bit of tension developing over it, you know, that person's like, no, this is what you do. And you're like, ah, no, I don't think that's what you do. 
maybe you need to just put a little pause. Like I said, refill beverages and food and either you or the other person or maybe together looks in the rule book to figure that out. Right. Well, and you want to stay away from being the rules lawyer. Like right. every little thing has to align with the rules. If, yeah. Yeah. You know. And like if you're the person who taught the game, you don't necessarily also want to be the person who's always saying, nope, that's wrong. This is how you do it. You know, like that might not instill in confidence. You know, if you're the only one who's read the rule book and you are also the one who's always saying whether a certain rule is right or wrong, you know, maybe they might start to question you a little bit. So I don't think there's any problem with inviting them into that and saying, hey, here's the rule book. Show me. Can you find it, please? And then we frequently will go to a third party called Board Game Geek and look in the forums and see what, what the masses say. Once again, at the risk of being the distracted party. Uh, but it really is a good resource. It is. Well, and it's nice because it does prevent, you know, the, the situation where the person who read the rules is also doing all the interpretation of the rules. And, you know, it's, it's easy to interpret things in your favor. It's just human nature. Well, I think we did it. I think we covered all the glitches you can have in game night. Every single one. There are no other possible glitches. That is it. We have Way done it. go. We fixed game night. <laughs> all solutions given to all possible problems. You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> That's our gift to you. Uh, but actually, if there is a super obvious glitch that we just didn't even touch, we would love if someone sent us a message and said, hey, um, what about this? What would you do in this scenario? Or if you've got a solution that you know, is so right. much better than any of the ones that we've talked about because we struggle with these problems too. Right, like, right. And the fact is, you know, we want to have good game nights. We don't expect to have perfect game nights where things go perfectly all the time because, you know, we have game nights with people and not robots. So naturally things are going to go wrong. They will go awry. And, and yet we don't want to be scared of those things happening. We want to have, you know, tools in our toolbox for what to do when they come up so that we can make game night good even when things go wrong and and create that experience that we want for our guests. That was so well said. Thank you. I am a great closer. <laughs> Until next time, this has been Invite to Game Night. For today's favorite things, we're going to ask the question, what is your favorite role to play in a cooperative game? Now, Gordy came up with this one, and at first I was a little confused as to what he meant. So, Gordy, what do you mean when you say a role in cooperative? What are the possible roles you're thinking of? Well, really popular mechanism in co-op games is to have player powers or player roles at the beginning. So okay. you think of some of the most famous ones like Pandemic uh, or, um, you know, we've really enjoyed Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle, the the cooperative deck building game. Yeah. Um, you know, something like Flashpoint, Fire Rescue. 
you've got different roles that each of these players tend to fill. Um, so there's a know, little bit of a pattern. That yeah. Like you've got, up. I think in pandemic and flashpoint, you have two that are called the generalist or something like sure. that. So they're pretty they're, good at most things. Well, and it'll be like, yeah, they're balanced all around. Uh, oftentimes they'll have one more move action or they'll have one more action that they can do compared to everyone else. Um, but they're not particularly strong. Right. Harry Potter, uh, he's kind of all around balanced. He can buy whatever cards he wants. The generalist, uh, you've often got some kind of healer, um, who can, you know, either, either buff the, the rest of the team or such and such. You often have a, a role where you can manipulate your surroundings. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so this would be like the dispatcher can move people from place to place to place in pandemic. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, Luna flipping through a whole bunch of cards in her deck and, and letting others flip through their cards. So that's kind of what I mean by these roles. Sure, sure. So I do enjoy being a character that like helps the other people have better turns. Um like Luna Lovegood. I love playing her because she, you know, it's like you get to flip over an extra card and you get to flip over an extra card. What would you call that role? I would almost call it like a manipulator or like a support character. Okay, or... sure. I like being a support character. I don't want to have the responsibility of being like some, you know, blaze in there, heavy hitter kind of person. Um, I like it when I can help other people have really good turns. Okay. Honestly, I find those are often the most fun characters to play. They are. Well, everyone likes you. Yeah. Um, okay. I tend to like uh, characters where you can kind of sit back and work towards really cool turns. Okay. Um, kind of like, I, I like almost engine building characters. Hmm. You know, you're not right in the middle of things. You're not dealing with, uh, uh, you know, you're not putting out fires as they pop up. You know, I'm, I'm thinking spirit Island. You're not reacting a whole bunch to different circumstances as they pop up. You can kind of just chug along letting the team deal with things. And then boom, you've got this big turn where you do 5 million things and, and save everyone. So would this be, I'm kind of thinking here Gandalf in Journeys in Middle Earth because he started out like he had a few good cards and it took a while to build it up and then you can buy like these amazing cards and then pretty quickly you know he becomes a really awesome character but it doesn't it takes a bit for well, him to get there maybe that's spread over the course of the campaign though I'm, I'm more talking in a in a single game um, I would almost, to take Journeys in Middle-Earth, I'd almost take more Legolas. You know, he's one, one or two, depending on the cards you have, one or two steps removed from combat, and he's just kind of doing his own thing, but building up to these really good turns where he just fires in a whole bunch of arrows. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing, too, with... Uh, I'm struggling to find a a parallel in Harry Potter, but maybe Ron, you know, Ron kind of tends to just 
chug along doing his own thing, but then builds up to these massive damage turns. Or or uh, or Hermione, yeah. I guess, maybe is even better as she builds up her repertoire of spells. Sure. Um, I mean, it is a deck building game, so that one's maybe a little, little bit, of a bit bad different. Example. Yeah. Um, but I, I like, I, yeah, I want to, I think I want to stick with calling them kind of engine building characters. Cool. Thank you for listening. Episode six, Glitches in Game Night, was recorded on June 18th and valiantly produced by Gordy through sleeplessness and sickness. But let's be real, every episode we manage to release is something of a miracle. Special thanks go to Oom Games for providing us with a copy of Battle Bears to play, enjoy, and review. If you've enjoyed this episode, we invite you to continue the conversation with us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you disagree with our conclusions, think we missed something important, or think we could have just said something a whole lot better, please send us a message. If there's a topic you think we should cover, we'd love to hear your thoughts you can find us at Invite to Game Night. We'd also love if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite platform. Tune in next time as we carefully consider co-op games and your next game night. Mm -hmm.